Welcome to the GeoMob Podcast, where we discuss geo-innovation in any and all forms, whether for fun or profit. Steven, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. I'm talking to you from a furnace. From the furnace. You're, you're on the ground in Tel Aviv? Well, I'm not actually on the ground, but I was nearly laid out by the heat today. It is hot here. I warn you because you're coming out for a geomob, and I warn you to tra- pack light and be prepared for some extreme heat. The other day it was 39. Oh, my Lord. That is hot. Um <laughs> I I am looking forward to it. I am looking forward to it. Yeah. We are about we are about I guess two two weeks away from uh, two, just under just under just two under. weeks from from the GeoMob uh, Tel Aviv, which is looking very good. A lot of people have signed up, um, and also differently than most GeoMobs, I actually will be speaking um, actually about about what we've been up to at OpenKit. So so that should be. Um, that's a good change of pace, and uh, it's my first time ever to Tel Aviv, so that would be that would be very interesting. So we're looking forward to having you here. So where have you been up till now? Because this isn't your first. No, I, I, I. Well, the point of our episode today is, of course, we need to recap GeoMob Berlin. We had the second GeoMob Berlin last week, um, which, on the whole, was was excellent. We had one one slight blemish on the evening, which I guess I can explain. Um, in that the the venue, we had a lot of people sign up, and then we thought we would be able to be able to get everyone into the kind of the venue space, the kind of at the co working space, and then in the end they didn't let us do that, and so unfortunately some people, some people watched on Zoom from another room, and then some people some people just you know decided not to do that and just went away, which was very unfortunate. So. Lesson learned, our next Berlin event will be um, at a different venue where we can definitely fit more people. Okay. Stuff happens. Well, yeah, it was unfortunate. But other than that, it was a great event. We, we, we felt like we picked up right where we left off after the first one. So um, full, full congrats to Peter, Peter Rose of Orbica, who um, takes the lead on, on GeoMob Berlin. Um, we had five good speakers. We uh, first up the first speaker, very interesting, JP Menz, who has been a speaker. He was a speaker at one of our um, online events during COVID. I remember. And I very geeky. <laughs> yes, I don't think he would be. He would uh, uh, argue with you. Um, he presented the Own Tracks project, which is a very cool project. Um, but that was really cool, actually, because I've interacted with JP for, for years on social media, and I've never actually met him. Uh, so it was the first chance to actually meet. So that was that was very pleasant. Um, then we had Jan Marsh. from uh, He started a new company called OneGeo, which does... Uh, basically, they are aggregating all the open data uh, building footprints in the world. Um, so as you can imagine, this is a pretty colossal task. I mean, it had something like, I, I forget the example, but well over 500 million building footprints and, um, getting it from different data sources and trying to, to, um, deduplicate that. And of course, sort through all the, the mess that is in various crowdsourced, uh, data sources like OpenStreetMap. Anyway, interesting talk, interesting project. Um, and, of course, people may know him. Nice. He, 
yeah, he he for years has operated um, has built the, I think called OSM Buildings, which was one of the first attempts at kind of three D visualization of OpenStreetMap building data. Um, so so very knowledgeable in this space. Who did we have next? Where does he get open? Where did the open buildings come from apart from OpenStreetMap? What other sources are there? Well, I think there are some governmental sources, you know, at different different governments or local governments or things like that, um, is my understanding. That's the other main one. Um, I think, uh, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Bing. I mean, some of it is from uh, aerial imagery or, or, or satellite imagery that that's now they've used, you know, um, image recognition to try to create the footprints, the, those kind of things. So Right. And it's not gone into OpenStreetMap yet. Okay. Yeah. So, um, okay, so next we had Louisa, who, um, from the company Planet, which, which people may be familiar with, obviously one of the leaders in satellite uh, imagery. And she presented a project about how they... Um, they made a lot of their data open of um, tropical forests, uh, so the Amazon, things like that, and how that how that was then being used. And, you know, it was pretty interesting. I mean, primarily they're using it to try to kind of measure deforestation. And, and, um, and this is really quite critical, actually, because, of, you know, if you get into the whole topic of carbon credits and compensating people for their, you know, governments for not deforesting, then obviously you need some sort of measurement. She made an interesting point. Um, and of course, she showed us lots of images and things. Um, but an interesting point there was she showed a picture, you know, previously a lot of satellite, I mean, these are really remote areas. So the satellites traditionally have not been, um, satellite imagery has not been updated that often. And you know, if you only update once every six months or once every 12 months in the, over the jungle, that is that is long enough that the forest very quickly kind of regrows. At least, you know, like the, the gr- greenness, canopy. It, the canopy or whatever, a greenness, exactly. So if you only have a satellite image once a year, it's, it can be very difficult to detect was there, um, you know, logging or not, actually. So now they do, do they try to do things... Um, monthly and then she i mean she showed us the differences on some of the pictures and it's really quite stark you could really see a big difference um so very interesting project um who did we have next hang on i'm, I'm drawing a bit of a blank i have to uh, i don't have the the agenda in front of me um one second anyway it was it was a very very fun event very good turnout we had lots of people um Many many people who were there at the first uh, GeoMob Berlin, but then also you know some new faces. So all oh, right, okay. Then we had a company called Bearways, the CEO of a company called Bearways, uh, Moritz, and they are also using satellite or or aerial imagery to try to do much better at kind of analysis of roads. So particularly in in kind of the developing world to try to look at, you know, how, what quality are the roads and thus use that for improved navigation. So you can imagine in a country like, I guess, India or someplace like that, where, you know, not <laughs> not all the roads are of equal quality. And, um, you know, just nicely put. Right. So just because something's just because something marked as a road on a map doesn't mean 
you know, you're going to be able to drive at high speed along that road. And as a result, I guess many of the navigation estimates are quite wrong. So he kind of talked about some of the challenges they have there and some of the techniques they use to do that. And apparently they have, they have several patents for doing this. And their business model is they integrate directly with the auto manufacturers um, to, to kind of provide very custom, unique uh, uh, routing uh, services. I mean, he made an interesting point. I mean, one of the one of the weaknesses of a service like Google, obviously, or the other big routing services, is that they basically give everyone the same answer. And really, your answer should probably depend on, you know, what kind of vehicle you have and things like that, and wh- what kind of tolerance you have for different, you know, uh, I don't know, different factors. So that was, that was an interesting talk. Um, and finally, we had as our final speaker, um, Shoaib Burke, who he gave an interesting demonstration of he's doing, he gave kind of an overview of all the techniques for mapping motion. So different tools that people use to try to map moving objects. Uh, and then he showed off some experiments that he's been doing to try to simplify this, specifically in, in a web environment. So basically there are different tools and techniques you can use to, to render motion in, in different software stacks, but there's really no drop-in kind of solution for web developers. And so that's kind of what he's trying to build. And he showed us some, um, some cool demos of what he's been up to there. So he had, you know, lots of boats moving around on the water or, or you know, a visualization of kind of public transport in the city over the course of the day, all the bus routes and things. So very cool. Very cool. cool. Um, and then we had some it's beers. It's amazing. Hmm? And, then you, and then you had German beers. We had German beers. We had not just German beers. We had Bavarian beers. Um, Despite being in Berlin, we we the nearest place to the GMA venue is a very um, well let's, let's say a very stereotypical, overly stereotypical Bavarian place. But um, the beer is very good, and and we had good discussion, a very good turnout. Um, but as said, next time we'll probably do a different venue because and then the next date is already set. It's going to be the end of September, September twenty seventh. Fantastic. Um, and on that, I want to know. Well, I want to know. Were you wearing lederhosen? I was not wearing lederhosen, but you know was what, anybody? Uh, well, the waiters and stuff wear lederhosen, but <laughs> no. I mean, it, it, Berlin is quite far from Bavaria. Stephen, I, I can share one anecdote with you. Um, when I lived in London, uh, the, so this must have been about two thousand eight or two thousand nine. You know, I had I had my company, the real estate search engine Nestoria. And we started initially focusing on the UK, and then we launched Spain. Anyway, then we then we launched the German version of our service. And so I told the team I would wear Lederhosen to our team event, which we we're going all around London if we got it done on a certain day, and they did. And so that is an interesting experience wearing Lederhosen around London. I can tell you, I'll bet. you. you um, you think people in London are open for all walks of life, but it it, it definitely draws a few comments. Um, so, uh, yeah. Anyway, it feels like it feels like now after two events, uh, GeoMob Berlin is up and running, and um, and we have a few speakers already lined up for next time, and so um, it feels like we've kind of, you know, gotten critical mass there. That's great. And 
And it's amazing, you know, I was just listening to you talking about the five speakers and, and the variety, you know, and the things that people are doing um, and the niche things like the guy working on motion and, and everything. Um, and it's just endless. And, you know, we keep having geomobs in four or five cities now. We have uh, podcasts every week and there's still all this new stuff coming up. It's fantastic, you know. Um, there is no shortage of interesting stuff. And actually, on that note, Stephen, we have, um, I should say, the other thing I've been busy with is setting the schedule for the autumn. Uh, not just me, but of course, many, many other people as well. Um, we are going to have a Geomob London in, in early September. Then we have a full lineup already set for another Geomob Barcelona, uh, September 20th. And, and then we'll be in Berlin on the 27th. And then a week later on... October 4th, I believe. Um, all of these are on the website, of course. Uh, we will have a Geomob Lisbon. Wow. So um, we have a few open speaking spots, slots remaining in some of those cities, but um, Barcelona is already full. Anyway, we need speakers. So please, you, dear listener, volunteer if you want to um, speak at one of those events or... Um, and or you know plan on attending even if it's not your home city maybe combine it with the trip come down to lisbon come to barcelona um you know swing through berlin whatever it is you you want to do so and i've got an offer to make ed yes i've got an offer um if there's anybody out there who thinks i'd love to speak at geomob but i'm actually a bit nervous or i i'm not used to speaking in front of an audience and they want a little bit of coaching and mentoring before they speak at a geomob, then they should reach out and get in touch with me. They'll find a way to get in touch with me, and I'd be happy to mentor a first-time speaker who's a little bit anxious. So there you go. If you are Very uncertain nice. about offering, step up, and I'll give you a hand. Very nice. Very nice, Stephen. That's a kind offer. And just to add to that long list... Um, I know we haven't had Geomob in Tel Aviv in June for another two weeks, but um, I know already the plans are starting for one, the end of October, beginning of November, and the first speaker's lined up for that. So uh, there'll be one more um, in Tel Aviv before the end of the year and probably a last one in London as well before the end. Yeah, I think we'll probably aim for another London one kind of mid-November, I guess, or so. So let's see. So, very nice, very nice, yeah. Oh, fantastic. So, um, so we're, it feels like we're firing on all cylinders. Indeed. And um, before you go on your summer holidays, we've been rushing to get podcasts recorded so that we've got podcasts for our listeners all the way through the summer. We have, we have a pretty good backlog of episodes recorded, lots of interesting chats, Um a few more to come. Obviously, we'll do a few live episodes because the, the, there's a Geomob London in July, which I'm sure we'll recap. But um, I mean, we'll do a recap, of course, after the Tel Aviv event. But um, but yeah, we um, we have a long long backlog of very interesting conversations um, that we'll keep pumping out one a week. And actually, Stephen, you know what? We're not we're not too far away from old episode two hundred. I know, I so know. So we'll have to start thinking of some kind of special thing to do there. It's going to be this year, isn't it? Later this year. It's going to be like 15 weeks. So um, 
whatever that is. I think it'll be four months. So it'll be in October, I guess, maybe September, October. Uh, yeah, definitely something special for that. Uh, suggestions welcome from the audience. Uh, don't promise to take any notice of them, but suggestions are always welcome. Um, so what's happening with OpenKJ? Have you had any time to do any work at all? Have we done what? Have we? Have you had time to do any work at all? <laughs> a little. Uh, we, um, we, we went on a very fun trip, Mark Tobias and I. We went to Munich. Uh, we went to Bavaria, uh, not for the beer, although, although I did manage to find time for a beer, um, but to uh, the big conference, the Transport Logistic Conference, which is, they claim to be the world's largest or at least Europe's largest logistics conference. And we met some of our customers there and um, solved a lot of other interesting things as well. That was a pretty wild thing. I mean, just the sheer size of it and all the different aspects of logistics. I mean, like there was one whole conference hall that was just around software of logistics, which obviously was kind of where, where we concentrated our effort. But that was one of like eight halls. And the other seven halls were actually about like boats and ships and trucks and trains and everything. I mean, everything that you could imagine, anything that involves moving anything. And there was a whole huge section outside where they had actually actual vehicles, like trains and all kinds of forklifts and, and special forklifts and, uh, you know, people who are, you know, are happy to help you if you need to transport dangerous chemicals and all this kind of thing. So, yeah, that was, that was pretty interesting, actually. So, um, and, and I'm, you know, we've been, we've been slowly but steadily getting a foothold in this kind of market segment. So, um, very interesting. Um, other than that, I guess I have one other bit of news, which, uh, which is, I guess, happy news. But um, my colleague, Mark Tobias, is um, this year once again a mentor for the OpenStreetMap Google Summer of Code projects. So our good, cool. our good friends at Google, once again, very generously sponsor that um, students can apply for different projects and, and get a get a stipend to work on them over the course of the um, the summer. I think it, you know it's aimed kind of for uh, uh, students or kind of um, entry level um, people at the start of their career in in technology and uh, different organizations like OpenStreetMap put forward projects and several projects were selected and. Anyway, so Mark Tavia specifically is a mentor and advisor. He's done this several times now. Um, and this year, we found a guy, or a guy has come forward, who is a native speaker of Japanese to try to help improve nominatum's parsing of Japanese addresses. So, Whoa. yeah, so... Um, That's a challenge. Well, this is one of the biggest problems, of course, with, with geocoding is that you really do need the local knowledge of people who, who uh, you know, understand the nuances of these languages and, and all the peculiarities of, of how things work. And I, obviously, you know, it's one thing as a, as a non, uh, you know, let's say, I don't know, non-Italian speaker to try to decipher Italian or whatever, but it's a whole other, you know, game when you're trying to decipher Japanese or something, you know, it's a completely different script. So it's not just the script. It's the fact that, um, and I remember this back it, all the way back to the where on earth days, you know, that um, we think of addresses as typically being a street name, a building number, and a locality. Yeah. 
and then maybe a zip code. And you know, it doesn't really matter whether the building number comes before the street name or after the street name. You know, I mean, that's fairly easy to code for. But you know, we we expect street names to building addresses to follow that format. In Japan, there's something completely different. Um, yeah, they're blocks and they're numbers, but the numbers aren't linear along or around the block. The numbers are are, are temporal. So the first building is number one. Yeah. The second building is number two, and and those might not be next to each other. Well, they're, and they're, if you knock down the building, it gets a new number, and <laughs> they're they're linear across the axes of time, Stephen. Not not across uh, the spatial axes. But um, yeah, but we're a just we're we we're, we're a geo podcast. <laughs> you know, I mean, we expect them. Yeah, we expect space and location to be the the sort of core of the reference, not time. No, I, I agree. But, it's um. I, uh, it's fun. Have you have you ever been to Japan, Stephen? No, unfortunately not. Still on the bucket list. I, I went once for a week when I was in uh, as part of a group when I was in business school, and it was amazing. And my my main conclusion was, you understand it less after one week than when you arrived. I mean, it's just every single day was just completely mind blowing, and exactly things like that, like like in that things that you take absolutely fundamentally for granted you know, do not apply, do not apply. So, um, so yeah. Um, anyway, cool project. Uh, I, I am very hopeful that, um, they make good progress and, uh, yeah. Thanks again to, to the, the good folks at Google for funding that. So great. Great. What have you been up to Stephen? Um, well, Whilst I've been in Tel Aviv, I've been doing a lot of work with the Navin guys, and we've been working on various parts of the strategy for developing the business and all of that. But uh, when when I'm when not... when are either you or someone from the team going to speak at a GeoMob about this, or or here on the podcast, or whatever? Is it is it ready um, to be revealed? Or oh no, they're ready to talk on the podcast. We could fix that up. Um, probably best if you do that one, since I'm a sort of a board advisor and everything there. So maybe um, we'll get Daniel from Navin to come on the podcast. We can fix that up. You'll probably get to meet him at GeoMob and we can fix that up whilst we're here. Very nice. Um, But um, so it's been fun doing that and got some interesting plans for the autumn once I get back to London on Navin. But um, those can wait for a little bit before we start talking about them. And what else have I been doing? Oh, lots of mappery stuff. Um, we had um, we had a crazy problem that um, the feed from our WordPress blog to our Twitter account suddenly stopped displaying the images. Um, this is due to changes on Twitter, or, or you don't know. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, it was many rabbit holes were investigated before I finally found a solution. Um, I'm not going to go into the details, but if there's anybody out there who's got a WordPress blog and is having problems posting their feed from WordPress to Twitter, let then reach out to me and I'll talk you through some of the, the hurdles that we managed to overcome because we finally got it working. And... Very cool. Not that I understand it at all, but 
apparently we now also have feed to Instagram. Um, so there will be maps in the world flooding onto Instagram over the next few months. So uh, fantastic! Maybe so, we can yeah. we can finally get some of that sweet sweet influencer money once you're a, once you're a big Instagram influencer. Okay, okay, you'll have to explain all this to me because I'm a little bit <laughs> old and don't understand it. Um, so yeah, and then this morning actually I smiled because um, you know a bit like we have a backlog on the podcast. We have a backlog um, of images to post on Mappery. And, you know, there's Dan and there's Arno helping. And we sort of each have a sub list that we've constructed that we work through. And um, I post, something appeared that um, I had post, scheduled to be posted today. And the person who sent it to me, uh, commented back saying, oh, I recognize that. That means you've got a six-month backlog um, because it was six months ago that he took the picture and sent it to me, um, which sounds like a bit long to me, but it does indicate how much of a backlog we've got and how many people are sending us images. Um, is, and we're now, uh, but is the order purely chronological or is there any editorial judgment in terms of moving someone to the front of the queue or no? No, it's complicated. If, you know, <laughs> if I tell you that when I store the pictures, I give them names. Oh, right. And the names are okay. alphabetical. And then I start at the A's and work my way down the list. And then if more pictures come in and they've got A's, I go back to the A's and work my way down the list. It's a pretty random, skanky way of doing things, but it just happens to work for me and my laptop. Hmm. All right. Well, be careful. You don't want people gaming the algorithm there to, to get extra views or boosts or whatever. So Yeah, everybody starts their picture with A. <laughs> um, yeah, so, no, it's all good. All good. Um, so what else? So, oh, what news? There's a bit of Jir news, isn't there? You sent me an article. This was the news from, uh, from Lyft, yes? Yeah, the blog post from Lyft, yeah. Yeah, I found this one kind of weird, actually. Um, so in that, uh, well, the phrasing of it was kind of weird. Basically, Lyft announces that they're, they're, they've had a team working on using OpenStreetMap, and they're going to switch to use OpenStreetMap. But I found the way it was written was kind of odd, frankly. Um, first of all, I mean, the reference to, they said OpenStreetMap was invented by a British academic <laughs> which you know would not be my first choice of words for to describe Steve Coast, but um, I mean, first of all, it's great. It's wonderful that Lyft is using OpenStreetMap, and that's fantastic. And you know, um, welcome. And I, I hope they're not just using OpenStreetMap, but also contributing back to OpenStreetMap, and and that's how we all win. So that's great. But I don't know what do you what do you think of the article, Steve? Well. I thought it was very. I thought it was very interesting because um, it was as if they'd suddenly discovered OpenStreetMap. Well, exactly, exactly. That was what was kind of odd. Hey guys, this stuff's been around for oh, yeah, it's been a start around and really robust and usable for well over a decade now. Um, but on the other hand, when you actually sort of read through this blog post, and we'll link to the blog post in our show notes. Um, but when you went through it, what they were talking about was their ability 
to sort of customize and add to the data. So they could put building entrances as little features in OpenStreetMap and then route to them. And, and that wouldn't interfere with anybody else who didn't want that data because it just wouldn't render in a, a map tile or something. But it gave them the ability to sort of build a much more sophisticated um, and customized routing algorithm for their specific needs. And um, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, it's sort of what we all thought that people would do with OpenStreetMap. You know, they would be able to customize and use it in niche applications. And we've not seen as many of those perhaps up till now as um, we might have expected. Well, the problem is, Stephen, I think a lot of companies, I, I don't, know the details of the situation with Lyft. Are they contributing back these these edits and like for example where the door is on the building and things like that? Or is that that's their own kind of layer on top of OpenStreetMap? But they, they, I mean you say that's a niche use case, but that's really not a niche use case at all. Like I mean that's the same for anyone in the the delivery industry and things like that, which is which is hardly niche. And but I feel like many, many companies are taking the approach of trying to keep that as their own kind of special sauce, you know, and, you know, I don't know, is that really such a, you know, I, I know of numerous companies that are working on exactly this, of like figuring out where the entrance to the building is. Uh, so be it having the driver or the courier, you know, record it at the time they drop off a package or whatever. And, and it just seems kind of silly for this duplication of effort, you know? I agree. I I agree. 200%. I think um, if you've got secret source, it might be in your routing algorithm. It might be in your ETAs. Um, you know, we had a company on the podcast who'd spoken at the first Tel Aviv event who had very custom routines for calculating ETAs for food delivery and stuff like that. That is secret source. I think entrances, um, stuff like that, um, that's not secret source. And you actually summed it up perfectly because I've been talking to somebody about something not dissimilar to this, not about entrances. But if you've got hundreds of companies trying to do this, no one company, however big their scale, is going to get a massive advantage over their competition by doing this and keeping it private. Well, um, exactly. And you're much better off to have three or four. You're much better off if Uber and Lyft and Get and whatever other you know, companies, um, a couple of courier companies, all cooperate, put it into OpenStreetMap, um, and everyone will get the benefit of using it, and you'll get the benefit of the stuff that other people have contributed to. And this is when I quote my hero, Paul Ramsey, who is one of the sort of founding developers of PostGIS, who says, you know, OpenStreetMap, um, you get everything that other people contribute, everybody gets what you contribute, um, and everyone's better off. That was paraphrasing, by the way, Paul, if you're listening to this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the core idea. But I just, I don't know. I, I think for all the um, 
embracing of a machine. I don't know. I do feel like over the the 25 years or whatever that I've worked in tech, definitely there's been a fundamental shift in that now everyone uses open source. Okay. And, and the same thing with, I guess, with open data, many, many people are using open data. I still feel like not everyone has made made the next leap that they need to contribute back, you know, and and there's always kind of a reason, you know, oh, we're a tiny startup or we don't have time or, or, or whatever. But, you know, how many we have know of so many projects that are kind of hanging on by because one or two developers, it's a labor of love for yeah. them or, um, you know, likewise with open data. I mean, you know, how many things, how many, some areas were just well mapped because one passionate person decided to map their neighborhood. Um, but is that long-term sustainable or do we need, you know, we need to find other ways and, and motivate more contributors. So. Well, also we need to find things of interest for the open street map community to maintain their commitment and involvement, you know. Well, but it I does. Mean, but but Stephen, it does. I mean, I'm all for finding things of interest, of course, and and motivating people to map and get them mapping. But it does seem a bit silly if every single day delivery people are going to a door. Yeah. You know that that can't be captured somehow in a way that benefits the public good. Come on. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. But. Anyway, I think it's interesting that Lyft are making this move. Um, I, well, I think it's it's great. Obviously, we need more and more, um, you know, companies to to not just start using OpenStreetMap, but to talk about it publicly and and hopefully start giving back to it. I mean, we see it we see it every day with with OpenCage. I mean, many many people come to us just because they want geocoding. Then they start using it. Then they they start learning about it. Then it, and in several cases, we have moved them from knowing nothing about open data or open street map to actually then contributing and, and maintaining the data. Cause I, I think for me, that's the key. I mean, of course you will always have the hardcore of people who enjoy the hobby of mapping, but fundamentally people are going to maintain the things that they depend on and use. So we need to get more people using it and then that will or should, you know, lead to, to more maintenance and improvement. Is there a tool that you can use to um, add or correct addresses in OpenStreetMap? There isn't a generic tool. Uh, there are many. Use. I mean, there are so many different editors. Come on. I mean, the, in some ways, I no, guess that's part of the general problem. They're general purpose editors. I meant something. You know, your customers are using a geocoder. Yeah. They're interested in the connection between coordinates and addresses. Yes. If they find a mistake... I point them, well, we point them towards the, you know, the general purpose tools, because the thing is, sometimes customers, especially in the beginning, are like, can you fix this? You know, and let's imagine it's like a customer in Brazil or whatever, you know, to which my response is, who knows more about Brazil, you or me? I've never been to Brazil. Right. So clearly the person with local knowledge should be the one fixing it. So, okay. so we have a tutorial where we show how to use, you know, one of the primary editors, ID, which is the, the main editor on yeah. the OpenStreetMap.org website. But then, then you know, we also say, look, this is this is only one of many excellent editors and, you know, there are mobile apps, there are all these kind of things. But, you know, it's kind of, it, it doesn't make sense for for me to try to fix things that I don't, 
that I don't no. know about. All right, I'm not qualified to do that. Um, so we're... it might make sense to have an ultra simple editor that was solely focused around correcting or adding addresses. Yeah, I don't. I mean, ID is a pretty simple editor. If you, if the building is already I've used there. it in a while. I mean, what you would really want, Stephen, is some sort of app where. You know, this is something I was talking about with someone last week about, you know, imagine the courier, the delivery guy, you know, delivers the package. So at some point he's standing at the door, particularly if it's a package someone has to sign for, right? So at that point, somehow we should be able to capture like the coordinates of where that signature happened. I mean, assuming the, the signature is a, is a digital signature on a, on a handheld device of some sort, we should be able to capture the coordinates of that event and then match that up with the address, you know, which doesn't mean it will always be correct because obviously you might drop it off at the neighbors or whatever. But, you know, then, of course, you need some logic to take that and, and you know, make sure we have enough, you know, more than N equals one events to, to draw a conclusion. But, you know, I, I, all of this can be built. The issue is that that's not uh, as simple a project as you might think um because as i said you need to do things to there's always edge conditions ed, edge cases that need to be dealt with so it, it really feels like this is this is not a hobbyist project I, you know this is the kind of thing that a company needs to do in my opinion to make sure it's maintained and and tested and um so you know, I don't know if that's Lyft or it's someone else or, or if some sort of consortium working together. But um, anyway, great that great that they have entered the OpenStreetMap ecosystem, and uh, you know, I hope they start contributing. Welcome, Lyft. Welcome, Lyft. Okay. Shall we wrap it up there, Stephen? I um, yeah. Uh, always a pleasure, and I look forward to our. Our next conversation being in person in Tel Aviv as we head into Geomob Tel Aviv. Great. Look forward to it. See you soon. See you soon. Take care. Thanks for joining us today and listening to the Geomob podcast. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. Please get in touch with us if you have any feedback or suggestions for topics we should cover. You can get the show notes over on the website, which is at thegeomob.com. While you're there, you can sign up for our monthly mailing list where we keep you informed about upcoming events. You can, of course, also follow us on Twitter where our handle is Geomob. Thanks for listening and hope to see you at a Geomob event soon.